A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Coons of Horror, the podcast that revisits classic horror blockbusters and other pulp fiction. Today, we revisit Bram Stoker's Dracula from the visionary mind of Francis Ford Coppola, who gave us Apocalypse Now and Captain EO. <laughs> I love it. All right. <laughs> little known in his yeah. filmography. <laughs> but I think it's important because this movie is a little bit of both. This over-the-top adaptation of the gothic classic features Gary Oldman, Anthony Hopkins, Winona Ryder, and Keanu Reeves, who is just as confused as you are as to why he is in this. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, Tom Waits eats bugs. And joining me on this journey to Transylvania is Dr. Anthony Ladon. He does eat some bugs, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> why? I mean, he's not a vampire not? yet, right? He, he, no. He just wants the bugs. He needs the protein. It's more of a mouthfeel. <laughs> it's funny that you use the word grotesque. I wrote that word and I crossed it out. Oh? It's in my notes. Because you didn't know how to spell it? <laughs> it's in my notes. It was originally that this movie is super campy, punctuated by grotesque nudity. Mm. I changed it to gratuitous nudity. Okay, so you thought that the nudity wasn't necessary. Originally, you're like, man, that's gross. <laughs> those are gross <laughs> boobs. And then you're like, no, nah, those are just unnecessary. Yeah, I thought it's not as grotesque as it is gratuitous. See, I just felt like overall, I think, I guess I looked at this as grotesque as sensual. Well, it's definitely a grotesque movie. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot about this movie that I'm not sure how I feel about, right? Like, it's, uh, like, is it bad? Oh, it's real bad. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it's real, really bad. Okay. But I think it was because of my expectations going in that I thought it. Is this your first time watching it? This is my first time. Uh... And, but I will say this. I think that The Godfather may be the best movie ever made. All right. Okay. So I've got strong, positive feelings about Francis Ford Coppola. I recently rewatched The Outsiders, which is Coppola. Uh huh. It's really not good. <laughs> Interesting. It's really not good. So I don't know what to think about 
Francis, what, what's your relationship with Francis Ford Coppola? Um, it's probably very similar to, to you. Um, yeah. Uh, I've never actually seen Apocalypse Now. Um, yeah, it'd be worth. I think it'd be worth reviewing that movie. Def- definitely The Outsiders. Definitely Rumblefish. Not crazy about. I mean, I've, I saw Rumblefish a few times, and I wasn't. I don't know. It, it's fine, I guess. Um, I've seen Peggy Sue got married. I've seen. Uh, I've experienced, I should say, Captain EO. I didn't. I didn't know that Coppola was attached to Captain EO. He directed Captain EO. Is that right? Yeah. So fortunately for for FFC, as he's known in the game, um, he uh, he had Godfather and Godfather Two, um, and to a lesser extent Godfather Three, because that put you know that that definitely cements you in like cinematic. You're on the Rushmore to some degree, right? I mean, like if for you and many others will say that that may be the best movie that they've ever seen is is one or two or or they will combine mm-hmm. the two. So obviously that you're doing something right. But if you were to take that away, and you can't, but I mean, let's just say you did and said, hey, from the director of Captain EO and Peggy Sue Got Married, <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula, your expectation would be very different. You're absolutely right. And yet, in addition to Coppola's name on this project, let me read you a few of these other names. Gary Oldman, Anthony Hopkins, Winona Ryder, Keanu Reeves, Tom Waits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and let me just say, I have no clue what Tom Waits' character was supposed to be there for. I th- it was almost like he was in a different movie that got scrubbed and then they just brought in the scenes. Interesting that, you know, the Renfield character was what it was. And I mean, again, I have not read the novel. I know of the tale. Um, and Renfield, Renfield, or Renfield, Renfield, I feel like he's a, a bigger character. Um, at least that's been my experience with any kind of Dracula flick. Uh huh. And, and so I guess we wanted to get to the, to the Harker story and maybe that is the bulk of the of the novel, and then. But I feel like just knowing that Renfield exists allows for the audience to understand somewhat what Tom Waits' character is supposed to be in relation to the rest of this film. Because I think if you don't have that background, it does seem like, well, well why is why is this guy a thing? Yeah, I've recently seen some other iterations of Dracula. There was a recently a. Uh... A Netflix, I think it was borrowed from a BBC production. Correct. But it was like a series that was basically trying to be pretty faithful to Bram Stoker's story. But then it was sort of, uh, as the as the series went on, it sort of was a modernization of it. Yeah, did you go all the way through? I didn't get all the way through it. I watched Yeah, nothing. I did. I got all the way through. It was It was pretty decent. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And then it was just one of those things where... I guess it's a lot right now, <laughs> so I'm going to not watch this. All right. Do you have an elevator pitch for this movie? Uh, you like Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was thinking if this was an actual elevator pitch, let's just imagine you're an exec in an elevator. Right. And I'm trying to pitch you my movie. So we're heading up in the elevator, and I basically just say, you know Dracula, right? Well, imagine if he ensorcels people in England, and once he ensorcels them, 
they can never say the name Dracula the same way twice. <laughs> this people in this movie, they got no idea how to say the name Dracula. Even Dracula cannot say it the same way twice. That's how he gets you. <laughs> it's not this isn't like a Batman movie where you don't actually hear the title Batman until like an hour into the movie. People are saying Dracula dozens of times and they cannot say it the same way twice. Yeah. It's weird, man. <laughs> there's there's a lot about so I'm gonna give you a little bit of my back. I saw this in the theater when it came out. Did you really? Oh yeah. And yeah. I was so taken aback when I saw it, even in ninety two, I'm like, is this a cartoon? Because it was, it was so interesting that there was this really big budget, and yet yeah. not. Okay, this is what I wrote down. I said, if you want to get the feel of this movie, it has the music from Somewhere in Time. <laughs> it has the special effects from Never Ending Story. <laughs> and you've got sort of various actors doing various types of acting. So you've got like a Gone with the Wind group of actors. And then you've got like a Bill and Ted's actor. It's almost like they lined up all of the actors when they said, okay, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, you're going to act like you're in this movie and you're going to act in this movie. Anthony Hopkins, we know that you can only act one way. (laughs) Just do your thing. And I think that it's the Anthony Hopkins thing that kind of throws me because he's actually pretty decent in this movie. Yeah, that's a really good They have a cartoon Texan. Yeah, they have they a do. cart. <laughs> They've got Yosemite Sam in this movie. Yeah, no, that that is, and it is true. I I think I had the same reaction re rewatching this was, as soon as Hopkins shows up, it's like, all right, here we go. But then at the same time, it's like, but why now? I mean, <laughs> and I mean, and the thing is, is there's there's elements of the movie where I'm like, I don't know how much Francis Ford Coppola cares about this right now because <laughs> like there's i mean there's a fair amount of effects i mean there especially when it comes to to gary oldman and the, and the prosthetics and and uh, so there was some there was some money put into the costumes and into you know making yeah. them look old making them look like a wolf mm-hmm. um but then <laughs> then they're like ah but why don't you just kind of spray paint keanu reeves's hair silver to give the illusion of of rapid aging yeah, and he doesn't. He doesn't look. I mean, they they on it. They just sprayed the top. It's so weird. It's, it's because really everything around it, everything around him, is very detail oriented in terms of the set pieces and the clothing and, and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And then he just is like, it's like he. And then it, and then it isn't there. By the way, they used Halloween spray. Right, they for sure used, it. and then also not all the time because there's another sequence where all of a sudden, like, he turns to face the camera and he doesn't have it at all, like at all. And I'm like, there's one thing to not have continuity, but this was clearly a like last minute, almost like, hey, we'll just spray it for now, we'll take care of it in post, and then the post never happened. So you saw this movie in the theater in '92. Mm-hmm. This was a really big deal in '92. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People talking about it, people being scandalized by it. And it was up for several Oscars. It won for three Oscars. I think it was like costume, art direction, something else. So this was not 
supposed to be a campy movie, I don't think. No. Well, so I think a, this was yeah. meant to be a serious take on, and I think there are times in which Coppola is trying to say something about the Catholic Church or the institution of marriage, the sacrament of marriage, or something like that. Um, you know, there's a there is a, a scene where it's kind of like The Godfather in that it's kind of jump cutting in between a marriage ceremony and someone being ravaged by a wolf, right. In the same way that he does in the Godfather with the holy or the christening, right of the child and everyone being killed, so he clearly cares. I mean, he wanted to put his fingerprints on this for sure. Yeah, and it and and from what I understand, the the, the major deviations from the novel, and there aren't a ton from what I gather, is um, was it the Halloween spray? That <laughs> Halloween spray was not in the novel. Uh, the the origin of like so the, the opening sequence where we kind of get the impression that he is Vlad the Impaler, um, and that sequence of where he turns on the church because he feels betrayed by God. That I don't think is in there, so I don't know that they even explain sort of the origins of of Dracula. Um, so so it's that a, was a underrated, absolutely underrated title vlad the impaler yeah 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 because that could have gone wrong i mean they could have like vlad the penetrator not yeah, great exactly. totally different different vlad, vibe. vlad the the poker <laughs> yeah yeah just a facebook menace um <laughs> he uh yeah so that, that's a different thing i think the other difference was the that he uh, dracula was fueled by love because um, mm-hmm. I believe yeah. in the novel, it, uh, he I think it's explicit that he cannot feel love. And in fact, his main mission is to just spread his curse. And that's part of the reason why he gets into real And he's state. hungry for blood. Sure. Um, so so I think those are the some of the, the main differences. Um, and so I think and, and I and I think Coppola does a decent job with with twisting it to make it more of like a, a love narrative. I think that makes it probably a little more compelling for um a modern audience um but I, at the same time i'm like yeah but i don't know that that it didn't feel like love it just felt like this insatiable lust right that that was kind of pervading throughout the entire uh film um i mean it was a very i think the, the hardest part for me was um i didn't care <laughs> full stop Uh, (laughs) (laughs) all right let me tell you two things i liked about this movie there are two things and i really can't come up with more than two things here i was kind of curious about i was kind of interested in this origin story with vlad the impaler because i don't think i'd ever seen that before in a movie like what's dracula's origin story so for them to decide well he's he's a guy that um gets upset after a crusade and he ends up drinking stigmata blood at the same time being cursed and damned by the Catholic church. That's how he becomes a a vampire. So that was interesting to me, not in the original story. Right. Right. And then there was one effect that I thought was really cool. And that's when he kind of backs into the closet and turns into a bunch of rats. That was red. I like that. 
that that was great. It was it was pretty great. And pretty sort of like a an old school Hollywood special effect kind of great. Right. Well, I'm just thinking about um the stylistic choices. It had to be intentional. Like a lot of the stylistic choices had to be intentional, right? Cuz some of it does feel like it's done poorly. But I feel like it was done poorly on purpose. So maybe not, maybe I'm looking at it as being done poorly, but really it's something else. Like maybe the way I, I likened some of the editing choices and some of the frenetic camera movement, um, it felt like maybe, maybe it was supposed to be a nod to classic black and white horror films. Like maybe even your, right. your Nosferatu, perhaps, that there was an element of choppiness. Um, so like you have this high budget film that makes low budget choices at times on purpose and so so when i but the problem for me is as that's happening that's all i'm thinking about mm-hmm. it didn't feel like like I've, I've seen like we've seen plenty of directors take um stylistic you know liberties and and yeah you'll know that it's happening but it feels like it's enhancing the experience whereas this felt like almost uh like the directing became the star at times and and now huh. I'm, I'm focused on that and it's because it just would like everything would move smoothly and then but then all of a sudden the background would be clearly not just clearly fake and not like oh that's a bad effect but like i think it's intentionally supposed to feel drawn or like a, yeah it does a, a it does feel a little bit yeah it does feel a little bit like a stage production at times yeah and so that part throws me because then when there's another effect that's supposed to be done realistically it's like well i'm not sure now i'm just wrestling with with the movie and and a movie that i i got brought back to a lot when i was watching this is last temptation of christ um sure yeah because there's some similarity for sure you know and 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 because in part of the direction of the last temptation of christ and why it's so bad uh, is because Scorsese was like doing one takes, you know, he was doing single takes because of uh, weather issues, and and so it feels very rushed. And so there were elements of that where you know you could chalk that up to stylistic choices, but I don't know how much of it was stylistic versus just well, that's all I got. And and so it felt choppy, like that movie did to like so so then i'm now i'm like i'm i know I'm, there's never a point where i'm just in, i felt engrossed in the narrative because of that and then then you have gary oldman i mean look how do you feel about gary oldman i my relationship to gary oldman is colored by your appreciation of him okay cuz i feel like like I don't know anyone who loves Gary Oldman as much as you love Gary Oldman. <laughs> like I think that you may be his biggest fan. <laughs> so I've I've come to appreciate him over time. I think he's pretty amazing in most of everything he does. He is the kind of guy that can play a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of different roles. Uh, I think he's got amazing range, and sometimes he'll make an odd choice. Uh, I think sometimes because he is, he does want to stretch himself, he will make an odd choice from time to time. So that was, I think that's part of why I was into the movie. I thought, oh, he, this is great. 
I'll get to see Anthony Hopkins opposite Gary Oldman, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. I'm in for a treat. And uh, mm, it was something else. It was something else. So tell me, you. I think you should talk about Gary Oldman a little bit here. Yeah, I like Gary Oldman. Um, and I, I, I might like him most when he's doing stuff like this. Um, to frame this, like this is another one of those movies that I had to watch when Heather was not here. She just straight up hates this movie. And, <laughs> and I don't know, like, I think she hates Anthony Hopkins because of this movie. Like there's things like this movie, like, like she cannot, like there's not a sequence that Gary Ullman is in that she can stomach in this, in this film. Like it is so over the top for her. And, uh, I have, I could not wait for him to lick that razor, man. I, <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't, and the, I don't. I, every every moment of Oldman in this film is like so. Like Hopkins comes in and he's frenetic and he feels sort of like he did in the movie The Edge, uh, which, by the way, I don't know how if we call that a classic horror film, but I would really like to review The Edge. <laughs> I don't know when the last time you saw the. Alec Baldwin, Anthony Hopkins, L. McPherson joint, but mm. did we see it together? I don't know. We might have. It's a treat for sure. Um, but I digress. But yeah, so Hopkins adds like a little more. Um, I don't know. Like he adds, like, especially because of whom he has to act with most of the time. Like it is Keanu or Carrie Elways or um, you know Winona Ryder. Um, so he definitely raises the stakes when he's on the scene, but. Um, but the the I would have just loved to have been there watching the dailies with Oldman and Keanu Reeves going back and forth because that is just about as different as you can get. <laughs> I didn't mean to insult you. Like I mean, I just love those. <laughs> okay, let's. I think we should talk a little bit about Keanu here because he's had several iterations in pop culture. And I think he's revered now. There was a time, and this was definitely during that. This film was during the time where he like moved as if he was full of balloons, full of, and balloons. he could only talk with like a really heavy surfer accent, like Southern California surfer accent. Helium balloons or just regular old balloons, just. Blown up by the like, so, yeah, I think sort of like helium balloons weighted down by water balloons. Gotcha. In his feet, <laughs> and his neck is like just kind of his like his neck is held up just by kind of a string, uh, with a, with just a little helium on top. Maybe he's made of the rats. He he's something like that. Well, this is this is a fascinating moment for Keanu because like I because I, and I, and I going back to the ninety two. Um, I was in that same, like, look, Keanu Reeves isn't great. Like, I don't think he's very good. But I think he can be good in the right circumstance, right? Like, like I wouldn't... Like, Polly Shore is perfect in Encino Man. Sure. Right. But that doesn't mean that I want him to be in A Few Good Men in any role. Sure. <laughs> now that I say that out loud, I am... I take it back immediately. I want him in any one of the roles. <laughs> My God. You, you I want a few good Encino men. 
Wasn't he in what is it, the movie In the Army Now? In the Army Now, um, which I don't think I've seen In the Army Now. I have seen it. Seen him, obviously. I've seen uh, Son in Law. Fantastic. Um, I did not see Biodome uh, with the least of all Baldwin's, uh, Stephen. Um, <laughs> so, so Keanu at this time is like this is right in the beginning, like Keanu and Winona. They're young, and so and it, so it felt like here's this movie that has got Coppola's name on it. It's this this big production. It's a huge concept movie in the sense that it's like hey we're going to the origins of, of dracula this is a big deal you've got anthony hopkins um kind of as this this anchor but then you have the it feels like you're rolling the dice on this youth movement right so then it feels like well were these the best people to play these characters or was this what you thought would get butts in the seats right because what screen test who's who's keanu beaten out for this role doctor you must understand I doubted everything, even my mind. I was impotent with fear. I know. But, sir, I know where the bastard sleeps. I brought him there to Carfax Abbey. Because he's not... It's a very good question. Because there's nothing he's doing that's helpful for the narrative. He's, He's a young, attractive man, and I think he works opposite of Winona Ryder. I think that they're basically, they're like two peas in a pod in this movie. They work together. I don't think she's great in this movie either. No, she's not great either. It's your voice, perhaps. It's so familiar. It's like a... It's like a voice in a dream I cannot place. Keanu's best moment is when he's watching them eat a baby. Because he's just That's, screaming. This is how over the top this movie is. So, all right, let, let me just lay this out for you. So, Keanu, <laughs> Keanu is in one room, and he goes to into another room. It looks like an '80s rock video, basically. Right. Yeah. So he goes into the White Snake wing. <laughs> he goes through a, some sort of bad warehouse curtain, and on the other side is. Something that's kind of like a mattress, but is moving, and he hears Winona Ryder's voice and decides he's going to lay down on his back. (laughs) Then it turns into kind of like a vampire orgy scene, Mm -hmm. which ends with Keanu sort of being repulsed by the whole thing, and then even more repulsed when Dracula gives the... (laughs) The vampire brides, a, a, a baby, a very fat, a very fat, healthy baby. To eat. Well, I mean, he knows their appetite. <laughs> that, that, yeah, he, yeah, nothing. <laughs> I love the idea that that Dracula shows up with snacks. He's angry at first. At first, he's just angry that Keanu is encroaching on his territory. Yeah, and then we, he's like, "All right, fine, you can have a baby." <laughs> Right. Well, and yeah, that whole, and there was that one sequence where the two women become like one. Yeah. And kind of, kind of crab walk their way out. Like the whole thing was, I mean, that's the, those are kind of moments where like, is this good? (laughs) (laughs) 
So there's some uh, there's some Sonoma County DNA in this movie, Steve. Well, Winona for sure. Winona for sure. She she grew up uh, in Sonoma County, same county we grew up in, right? Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola, famously from our area, or at least lives in our area. With the winery, and you can actually see the uh, some of the um, props from this film at the winery. And uh, Tom Waits used to live in Sebastopol. I've seen Tom Waits uh, at Whole Foods in Sebastopol. All right. Tom Waits Tom and Waits... I went and saw the movie Gravity together in the sense that we were both in the same theater. I see. I see. <laughs> I held the door open for Tom Waits as we left the theater. Tom Waits was not good. He was not good. He's got an amazing voice. He's got an amazing voice. I'll give it to him. I had no idea what his motivations were. I don't know why his jailer was walking around with a cube on his head. What was up with the cube on the jailer's head? <laughs> that's 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 how you become Waits proof. Half <laughs> Half of Tom Waits' scenes were behind bars yelling and screaming wearing a old-timey straight jacket yeah. that was unfastened. Yeah. Like what's the what's the point? Fasten your straight jacket, Tom. I I feel like I, this is this is where I think you and I are just going to have to respectfully disagree. I mean, I I I so much wanted an Oldman Waits spinoff. Like this is this is the movie that I really wanted. I needed Renfield and and Dracula together because the idea of Tom Waits doing what he was doing in the film and with Gary Oldman doing what he was doing in the film together, holy moly. I don't even need a background. I don't even think they're in the same movie, uh, scene together. No, I don't, I don't think so at all. Dracula comes and visits Tom Waits' jail cell, dungeon cell, in the form of mist. Yeah. So clearly there's... I mean, I think he, he did have a scene with Winona. Otherwise, it's just every now and again they cut to his dungeon cell, and he's in his own movie doing his own thing. Uh, yeah, maybe if the entire movie was sort of a Tom Waits level of acting, it would have felt cohesive, right? This movie's all over the place. Well, that's the thing. is I felt Waits, Oldman, and Hopkins, regardless of how you feel about their performances, they were sold out, and I didn't get that probably with anybody else um it felt like they were it, it just didn't it just felt like they were in like they, like they you guys just follow the script these guys are going to act you guys read the script and so when they would all get together you would have people acting and people reading and and that and it felt incongruous when they would when they would be together all right we need to talk about this texan <laughs> yeah that was that's not a part i remembered I mean, he was a yeehaw. I'm telling you, this is Yosemite Sam. Yeah. Sort of live action Yosemite Sam. Yeah, I don't know that he said Karn Sarnet, but I felt like there was Karn Sarnet vibes. This guy, as soon as he showed up and as soon as he had that accent, I thought, oh, you're going to die. This is what's going to happen. You, you're. <laughs> yeah. Your death is going to be gruesome and I'm going to enjoy it because you are a cartoon, sir. I wrote in my notes, this Texan is ridiculous. <laughs> he carries a big buck knife with him. Yep. You've got this guy opposite Anthony Hopkins. 
And I mean, it doesn't help that some of the imagery feels like cartoons. Right. So that, and yeah, it, there's a lot wrong with this film. And um, so watching this movie now, like, I don't remember a lot of it the first couple times around. Uh, especially, I did not remember any of the getting the dirt from his home and sending it to his other places that he, because he has to be in that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He has to. He gets his strength from his home soil, or something. right. And like I never, and you would, and that's a pretty big part of the movie. And I have, I had no recollection of. I was trying to get into the lore, right? Like I was taking into okay, well, garlic's a thing, sunlight's not, but he's only powerful at certain times, or there's certain powers he has at certain times. Um, I couldn't quite understand when and why that would happen. Like, okay, well, if he can just do, like, if he's a mist, why isn't he just a mist all the time, anytime he wants to, and then eat people and then go back? You know, like, there's a lot of those things. Like, it seems like he should be just doing whatever he wants all the time. I think that's what he does. Well, but then they're like, he, they're like the oh, you gotta... he's doing everything all right. of the time. Right, but they're like, oh, you gotta chop his head off. I'm like, well, then just be a bunch of rats, and then you won't know which is the head. Or, like, what happens if you stomp on some of the rats? Does he not become all a Dracula later? Is he like one of those Transformers that's like five different tra- Is he Voltron? I cannot believe that I'm about to defend this movie. <laughs> Bring it. Here's what, here's what I'm, I'm going to start defending the movie. The stake goes through the heart first. And once the stake goes through the heart, then you can chop off the head. Okay. You have to sort of make him mortal first. And then you can chop off the head. Okay. So, but what if he's just missed? How do you stab the mist? I think that if you were to stab the mist with a stake, it would demystify him. <laughs> See, I don't know, man. And again, the rats. Like, what if you killed one of the rats? Does he come back with like missing a finger? If you could get, if you could get that stake into the heart rat, you gotta find the heart rat. That you now do. that that's a movie I'm into. They're chasing <laughs> chasing parts of them. And Tom Waits has got to be more in that movie. <laughs> yeah, all right. They did a lot of stuff with the Dracula mythology. They had the threshold stuff. They didn't do a lot with it. Um, but it didn't seem to work in the way it did, it did traditionally. You don't have to, like, invite him into the house. Right. In fact, he if invited just... Harker into the house, and that felt like a moment. At least that was a moment yeah, of emphasis. Yeah, that was the moment. That was a threshold moment, right? Um, and they actually do address like, hey, some people think that vampires can't go out in the daylight. That's not true. It's just their natural habitat is the darkness. So they ad- at least they address that, even right. if they're going to subvert it. I- I'm glad that they addressed it. Uh, and they did. They used the, tr- the crucifix. They used the holy water. They used the garlic. I like having those elements in a movie like this. Um, they use the stake through the heart. So all of those things, I, I kind of, I, I'm here for the, all of those things. Um, and then what they did was they like, they introduced 20 other things that Dracula, about this Dracula mythology, like he can turn into a wolf. He can just look at you through the clouds. Yeah. His, his eyes will 
magically appear in the clouds and he'll yeah, just kind of spy on you. Cheshire cat vampire. <laughs> it was it was very Cheshire cat, yeah. Um so it it man, it was an ambitious film. I'll give it that. It is. And I think ambitious is probably the uh, a really good way to put it because it does feel like they're going for it, right? Um and I and I feel like Gary Oldman and to some degree Tom Waits understand the ambition behind it and so they put that in the role like i don't know that anthony hopkins put anything special he didn't put any special sauce that's just hopkins doing hopkins things mm-hmm. um you know uh but oldman i mean oldman really just it, between that and like the animated shadows um like i there were elements there's so many things that I, I i wanted to like like i i i, I liked the idea of um of of revisiting this mythology in its kind of close to purest form right because you Mm -hmm. know this isn't blade this isn't um you know lost boys this isn't twilight Twilight, this this is this is this is where it all comes from right so there's i feel like there's a respect clearly there's a respect to the novel because they do um you know, because they, they could have played with a lot of the uh, later adaptations where, okay, sunlight does kill him. But instead, they're like, no, this is not in the, we're going to stay true to the book. It may feel jarring. Because at first, when I was watching, I'm like, what, is he a werewolf too? You know, and they're like, well, that's actually, that's in the book. I mean, that's what he does. And so. Interesting. So, so that's okay. You know, I, I'll, I'll accept that, obviously, because that's the way that it's presented. So that part of it was was new to me and I was okay with that even when I first saw it, but it was also like, but what, what's going on? <laughs> like, what, what is your intent? And again, it, like I said, it didn't feel, it just, it didn't feel like the same movie from scene to scene. I mean, there's, okay, here's the other thing about this movie. For some reason in this movie, if anyone wants to kiss you, you drop everything else that's going on in your life. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter if this person's on their deathbed. It doesn't matter if this person's growing fangs out of their gums. It doesn't matter if this person's uh, in, engaged to someone else. If someone wants to kiss you, you forget everything else and you kiss the person. This happens like six times in the movie. <laughs> People that are not even connected. Like, like why does Van Helsing want to kiss, kiss, kiss anyone in this movie? <laughs> Well, I, and I, I guess, yeah, that's it's the the hypnotic state of this love slash lust theme kind of that permeates, right? That it's that's Dracula's motivation, right? I mean, apparently, I can see if like someone sort of loses their guard because Dracula hypnotizes them or something. But like, there are a lot of these characters that are just like, like, uh, uh, let's see here, Robert Grant is supposed to be the physician. Mm-hmm. And he's supposed to be, you know, tending to this woman who's clearly having medical issues because she's turning to a vampire. And all of a sudden she just goes for him and he's happy to just French kiss this dying woman on her deathbed. What well, is I, happening? That's that's Dracula, man. He's he's vibing everywhere. Can't escape it. <laughs> no, no, thanks. <laughs> 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 Dracula no, Dracula you. was COVID-19 before there was COVID-19. Uh Steve, who's this movie made for? Uh it's made for Francis Ford Coppola. It's just his pet project. He's like, I don't care if anyone else likes this. Thing. I don't know who it's for. I mean, I, it's 
It's for the it masses. Did really well at the box office. Yeah, I mean, it's for the masses. It's it's a it's it, R rated. It's a very R rated horror flick. It's it's for vampire. I, I mean, I think it is for the masses, right? It's for vampire fans and for horror fans. Um, and for people who want a little bit of softcore porn in their vampire flick. Yeah, I mean, if you and just on on by the cast again, like we we kind of questioned some of the the choices but i mean you're gonna get you get the younger demo you're gonna get uh people that are serious about film to some degree because of you know you've got uh, anthony hopkins um you know it's it's got a lot for a lot of people right i mean obviously if you're not into horror movies this is not going to be for you um because there's no question about it i mean this is this is not like a we're going to take a more literary approach and maybe do a little more of a historical approach. I mean, it, it does, but it also, it's, it's, it's gory. Tons of blood. Um, yeah. And of... it's, it takes a classic character and sort of rewrites like primary motivations. Like what if, what if Dracula was just really in love? You well, know? yeah. What if, if his it... motivation is he wants to get back with this woman he loves? And it added, uh, and it, it added credibility to a horror flick, right? Because so here you have, it's like, okay, if you're going to do horror and you're going to, and for someone like a Francis Ford Coppola uh, with his cinematic chops to take it on, one, obviously, so this is going to be like a big deal horror film. We're going to watch, this is going to be the godfather of horror films. Like, I think that kind of goes through your mind, right? Like, we're going to see, we're going to see this done right and this is going to elevate what is kind of a discarded uh, genre uh, at least critically, right? I mean, horror films at this point are, you know, they're relegated to sequels and slashers and, you know, those. that's kind of what we see of that genre. So this brings it, it, it allows for us to see one of the masters uh, adding, you know, adding a, a certain amount of, like I said, credibility to a genre that maybe otherwise wouldn't have it. So there's a lot of reasons to go and see this. Um and at least be curious. So that's why I think it's for the masses. Yeah, I think it's for sure for the masses because of that. It's it's got it all baked in. It's all in the sauce. Well, that's right. And I think it's it's one of those rare horror flicks that will transcend the genre. It's, um, it's coming from literature. Yes. How many times do we actually see a horror flick be number one at the box office and be up for be up for Oscars, right. for instance? All right, Steve. Does this movie have a cliche, a device, or a trope that actually works for you? Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think at its core, the um, uh, the, the haunted castle. Okay. All right. Interesting. A uh, trope that worked for me was the uh, the Van Helsing depiction by hopkins Mm. i like the idea that there's a scientist who is so confident in his task and has such a great handle on sort of his role as i don't know the the monster killer that he's almost impervious like 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 he's not going to ever be afraid of the monster he knows too much about the monster and you see that in a lot of movies this one really works I, and maybe it's because Van Helsing is sort of this prototype for this thing. 
Is this movie better than a Ron Howard film? I think it's a Howard minus one. Interesting. I was going to say Howard minus four. Okay. And I think the reason why I give it a little bit less, I mean, maybe not as, I don't give it as, as poorly a Howard comparison is because I don't know that Ron Howard would make a more interesting Dracula movie. (laughs) I think the, I don't think he would have had the ambition now. And we just took a lot of time to talk about how the ambition may have been a swing and a miss, but I think I appreciate that it took some of those cuts. Um, yeah, I think that my general take is that this was movie was didn't know what it was trying to do. It felt like there's it was going in too many different directions, too many different styles of acting choices. Character motivations are really hard to track in this movie. There are a few bright points, you know, Gary Oldman's really good. Um at times. <laughs> right. Anthony Hopkins is really good. Um, there's, there's a couple really great scenes in this movie and yet it's four or five great scenes in an otherwise pretty bad movie. Yeah. Um, is there a half the battle one to grow on moment? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, uh, <laughs> always bring a buddy. <laughs> if it was Bill and Ted. Yeah. If, if it was Bill and, yeah. Bill and Ted go to Transylvania. <laughs> A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works, and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.